0: This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare care providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision-making and judgment of a qualified healthcare care professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified health care provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Trauma Evaluation in the Intensive Care Unit by Dr. Christopher Weldon.
1: Hello, my name is Christopher Weldon. I'm a pediatric critical care intensivist and pediatric surgeon here at Children's Hospital Boston. I will talk to you today about the evaluation and management of trauma victims with the protocols that we have developed here at Children's Hospital Boston in accordance with national standards through the American College of Surgeons. Ideally, we will go over the algorithm itself, and it's one algorithm for every single patient, every single time, for every single type of trauma regardless of type of injury, age, or any other disabilities known or not known. We'll then go over what the algorithm actually does, which is to resuscitate, identify, and prevent other injuries. And furthermore, we'll go over the essential part of the algorithm, which is to try and prevent and define any missed injuries.
0: Pre-hospital notification.
1: When we evaluate a trauma patient, one of the first things that we'll encounter is a notification that the child is coming to the emergency department. These are generally small blurbs that come across digital pager systems or over the phone and realistically the trauma resuscitation and evaluation begins once we receive these notifications. For example, if a three-year-old male was found down in a burning house, that gives us an idea of the child's height, child's weight, obviously his age, and furthermore the type of injury, blunt trauma, penetrating trauma, In this case, a child who was found down in a burning house could have all of those in addition to inhalational injuries and thermal burns. This notification tells us of a 15-year-old child who was found unconscious with a dislocated knee from field hockey practice. Obviously, she sustained blunt injury that caused these two uh, mechanisms of action leading to her unfortunate situation. And ideally, again, we can start the resuscitation now. We know her height, we know her age, and for all intents and purposes, she could very well be treated as an adult. Realistically, if she sustained blunt head trauma, we would have to be concerned about managing her airway, but also we know that she has a dislocated knee, and hence all the precautions and treatments that would be needed for that. Ideally, we should also be concerned about her torso, because an isolated head injury and an isolated extremity injury would be incredibly rare, and we would have to assume that if you draw a straight line between the two injured organs, i.e. her head and her leg, the torso in the middle would also be affected. For the next patient, again, we see a one-year-old male found down in in a pool. We can have an idea of the size and weight of the child and furthermore what interventions would be needed to begin immediate resuscitation of this child, especially since it appears to be a drowning episode. In this child we see that he has sustained a gunshot wound And at this point, again, the resuscitation can begin actively both in the field and also here in the hospital whereby we can notify the operating room and the on-call anesthesia group that we very well may need their resources almost immediately after the child arrives. This child, again, we see an idea of the child's size, his weight, his age, and furthermore mechanism of injury and what other injuries there could be. And so once we get any information at all, our resuscitation and management of the trauma patient begins immediately, whether the child is physically in our hospital or not.
0: Trauma Algorithm
1: Ideally the algorithm was developed realistically in the late 60s and early 70s and essentially coincided with the advanced cardiac life support course ideally the course is essentially there to treat the greatest threat to life first the course was developed in conjunction with the American College of Surgeons and dovetailed with the rise in uh, the automobile and the idea that trauma morbidity and mortality was rising secondary to the increased motor vehicle accidents at the time the trial algorithm itself was essentially developed as triage criteria to treat the greatest threat to life first and that obviously begins with an airway injury. A is for airway. Ideally, we want to sustain and get an airway for the child or the trauma patient so that we can adequately deliver oxygen and remove carbon dioxide. The airway may not be the perfect airway or the lasting airway, but it is simply a temporary means to, again, provide oxygen and also provide for ventilation. The next greatest threat to life would be any injuries that would cause difficulties in breathing pneumothoraces, hydroneumothoraces, hemoneumothoraces, and the like. In this case, we would stabilize the lungs and allow for adequate oxygenation ventilation once we have a standard airway. Furthermore, we would then assess a circulatory system to make sure that we stem any ongoing blood loss and replace any lost blood volume, first with crystalloid solutions, and then ideally with blood product if needed. We then move on to a disability exam which essentially is a Glasgow Coma Scale exam followed by a pupillary exam.
0: Pupillary Reflex. With a normal and intact pupillary reflex, you will observe that the patient's pupils are mid-position and constrict in response to bright light. An abnormal pupillary reflex will be demonstrated by pupils that are mid-position, often dilated, and do not constrict in response to bright light.
1: The primary surveys is then finished up with environment exposure of the patient, whereby we disrobe the patient and do a full body examination of the patient to make sure that we don't have any missed injuries, including puncture sites or other th- lesions that can be hidden in areas of the scalp axilla or genitalia and ideally these this algorithm was developed as you to treat the greatest threats to life certain injuries happen very early which is outlined in the red box that we cannot prevent or treat other injuries happen very late that may be secondary to the underlying disease process or ongoing pathophysiological changes that also we cannot necessarily impact However, there are many defined injuries that can happen early on that we can actively treat and or prevent and therefore create a beneficial outcome. This is especially seen on this graph as you plot mortality versus time showing that we have the ideal golden hour where we may intervene to cause a beneficial outcome. The algorithm is essentially a logistical progression, not only from greatest threat to life first, but also a head to toe physical exam, which is conducted during the secondary survey. Ideally, the secondary survey allows us the opportunity to do a full body history and physical exam to make sure that, again, we diagnose and define any injury. The exam is extremely efficient. It can be done very quickly, it can be done by multiple people almost simultaneously. It can be as a team approach, and it can utilize as many or as few resources as you have. Multiple people can be performing the same parts of the exam simultaneously to proofread one's work or multiple people can be performing different parts of the exam to make the exam flow more smoothly. The simultaneous evaluations are a built-in checks and balance uh, procedure that allows for patients to have their injuries not only identified but treated in a timely fashion. Furthermore we can use the algorithm itself as triage criteria so if you have mass or multiple casualties coming to your facility you would treat all children or all patients with airway injuries first followed by those with breathing injuries etc. So therefore you can use it as criteria for a single patient or criteria for many patient. The exam itself is reproducible the algorithm is the same the world over and therefore it's applicable to any patient anywhere in the world who sustains trauma one algorithm every single patient every single time regardless of injury or disability. Finally the exam is repeatable. Not only can be repeated immediately but can be repeated later by other colleagues to help make sure that no injuries are missed. We've gone over the algorithm so now let's see what the algorithm can do. The algorithm is there solely to resuscitate identify and prevent any injuries. How do we do this? The reality of the situation is we want to identify injuries, prevent and resuscitate and that demands a secure airway. Again, this may not be a permanent or lasting airway but it is a means to provide oxygen and remove carbon dioxide that will not be complicated or hampered by any other physiological injuries. This will hopefully provide for adequate oxygenation ventilation. The key at this point is to not make the child perfect from a pathophysiological process but to make sure that we provide enough oxygen enough carbon dioxide so that child has a chance to have aerobic metabolism and not become too acidotic. Finally we would love to see stabilizing hemodynamics meaning as we provide crystalloid as a resuscitative fluid or even blood that the child hemodynamics begin to return to normal so that tachycardia starts to decrease and any hypertension also is resolving. We want a determination what the child's neurological disability is. that is a quick Glasgow Coma Scale exam and also a pupillary exam to determine brain stem reflexes. Finally, we want effective exposure and environmental protection to make sure that we disrobe the entire patient, that we look for all injuries no matter where they are on the patient, and then cover up the patient to make sure that they no longer are exposed to the environment and therefore cannot get hypothermic we then do a total body exam again which is a head to toe physical exam that we also call the secondary exam and then we do it again and again repeating exams by multiple people at multiple times allow for the ability to make sure that we do not miss any injuries and to do not leave any stone unturned once we've adequately performed the exam the key then is to perform a differential diagnosis specifically when we want to identify all injuries just like at any other part of medicine The most important thing is to realize that at the time zero, which is displayed as the pinnacle of this triangle with the word history in the middle of it, we know absolutely nothing about the patient. We know very little about his injury, his past medical conditions, or any other problems. But as we gain more and more information, and as we go from the pinnacle of the triangle down to its base, the history is filled in, and we get more and more and more information, and that approaches infinity. Realistically then the diagnoses are inverted so that at time zero at the pinnacle of the white triangle that says history when we know nothing the number of diagnoses the patient possibly has is infinite. But again as we work down the triangles we fill in the triangle and get closer to the base as we get more information the number of diagnoses then approach one. So just like construction differential diagnosis anywhere else in medicine it would be the same in our trauma patients. Finally, for the most important part of this exam, we want to prevent further injuries. We want to prevent any secondary injuries. We don't want to iatrogenically cause any problems or any issues or leave a traumatic mechanism unrecognized and then can complicate the patient's care down the road. We want to obviate the need for any unnecessary tests and exams so that we don't allow the patient to leave our site to become cold or to have any other problems anywhere else in the hospital. Do what needs to be done, nothing more and nothing less. Prevent iatrogenic injuries. If an intervention needs to be done and you are either uncomfortable or you've never done before, ask for help. That's what people are there for. We want to remove inefficiencies in the system. If the patient does need to go to have a CAT scan or an MRI scan or if the child needs to go to interventional radiology or some other area, make sure you discuss this with all consultants involved so all the necessary tests done in that facility can be done at one time. Meaning if the child is going to need a CT scan of his pelvis for bony fractures as well as CT scan of his head for neurological evaluation make sure you discuss this directly with the orthopedic surgeon and or the neurosurgeon to make sure that no other no other CT scans will be needed or the specific type of CT scan or study is performed. Make sure that you understand that trauma care can be very quick, very loud, and very disruptive. Not only will the child be hurting physically, but these loud noises and these disruptions can cause significant psychosocial impairment, and we need to be cognizant of the fact that we do not want to cause any further emotional damage to a child who's already been injured. We also would like to eva- evaluate and identify any complications as they arise with either our interventions or for the traumatic injuries themselves. So we need to be on the lookout for these and know what the complications of our interventions are. Furthermore we want to know what the pitfalls of our interventions and our procedures are. We want to expect and define what those problems should be in advance so that we be prepared to not only diagnose them but treat them at a later date. Finally We do not want to delay transfer for any reason. Once the child is stabilized in the emergency department or the resuscitation area, get the child to where he would be best served long-term via the intensive care unit, a burn unit, a floor ward, or anywhere else where the child would be best suited and best treated in the long-term.
0: Prevention of missed injuries.
1: We've briefly gone over the algorithm. We've discussed in depth what the algorithm can do And finally, let's talk about what the most important thing is, missing injuries. The most important part of this algorithm is not to miss injuries. What we don't want to do is complicate the child's care within hours or days because an injury goes unrecognized that then severely complicates the care of the child. Ideally this is found by doing a tertiary survey. A tertiary survey is a head-to-toe physical exam that's performed anywhere from 12 to 24 hours after the actual traumatic injury. That is performed by a separate healthcare provider who is not immediately associated with the initial resuscitation and serves as a checks and balance mechanism to make sure that we define all injuries and not only define the injuries, but then provide adequate treatment. It allows us an opportunity to proofread our own work to make sure that nothing is missed. Furthermore, we want to understand patterns of injury. We want to recognize and understand these types of injuries so that we can know what other injuries to look for. For example, for the girl who had a dislocated knee from field hockey practice, if it was a posterior dislocation of her knee, she very well could have compromised her popliteal artery and vein and hence had a neurovascular injury and a compartment syndrome. If we did not know that this injury could be associated with a posterior dislocation of the knee, we wouldn't know to look for it so recognition and knowing what patterns of injuries there are is critical to understanding how we can fully adequately treat and evaluate our patients ideally historical reenactments are very important as well to help define the type of injury and the force of the injury if somebody was thrown from a car or if the child was found down in a burning house it's critical to know where the child was initially located in the burning house was the child upstairs or downstairs was the child found at the foot of the stairs or upstairs with smoke completely around him. Ideally we get information by talking to family members who were there or other witnesses who were there as well as emergency medical personnel who found the child in the field and then brought him to your facility. More information rather than less is key so do not be afraid to talk to anyone involved to try and get a complete and accurate story. Once you have a complete and accurate story then you can provide the best care possible. If needed, remember that sometimes traumatic care can be involved with forensic injury examinations and the need for legal channels to be maintained. Unfortunately abuse can be common in our situation in our society and we need to be cognizant of that fact. Furthermore, there may be other outstanding circumstances whereby local authorities may become involved and hence we cannot forget that in our trauma care evaluation management there may be forensic needs that have to be met. Obviously, the main way to try and prevent missed injuries is to have a high index of suspicion. Every body part is injured till proven otherwise, and every person has every injury till proven otherwise. It is up to us to prove that they don't, and our vigilance when it comes to this will be our best ally in the fight against missed injuries. Finally, consult liberally. Experts are there for a reason, do not be afraid to pull in those who know more about a specific topic to help you better define and care for an injured patient. And finally, I cannot stress this enough, the performance of a tertiary survey, a head to toe physical exam 12 to 24 hours after the actual accident is a great, great way to help proofread your own work and to make sure that no injuries are missed.
0: Conclusion
1: We've talked a lot today about the actual trauma algorithm but we did not mention the word ICU throughout the entire time and the reality is because we need to understand that intensive care medicine and ICUs are not bounded by simple rooms that have signs over them that have the words letters ICU in them that the ICU care is admitted administered from the moment the patient is seen and recognized because once we recognize the injuries and begin the evaluation and management of the trauma patient where they ultimately end up will most likely be in an intensive care unit, maybe even for a brief period of time, but good trauma care is good ICU care, especially when the child was found and diagnosed. Realistically, we went over the algorithm, we explained what it is. Technically, we went over what the algorithm does and how to do it. And finally, we talked about the most important part of the algorithm is to make sure that we do not miss any injuries.